0: welcome back folks to every given sunday fantasy football podcast today we're gonna have a good one for you this is for the guys who are really deep into it you know uh to give you guys some insight on tight ends today we'll have our top tight end top 10 tight end list sorry and kind of give you guys a rundown of our consensus rankings again and tell a little bit about our individual rankings where we had some of these guys, some of our disputes and things of that sort. So uh, I'm here with my co-hosts, Brandon Harewood, Michael Tilly. You guys doing all right today?
1: Yeah, doing good, man. Excited for this tight end episode.
2: You know, I am the tight end guru. So this episode really is made for me. I drafted Tanya last year, Kittle <laughs> two years ago, and Andrews three years ago. So if y'all stay for the whole episode, you might get who I'm drafting this year. Guru in quotation marks,
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're going to go ahead and get into news and notes for you guys today. Obviously the biggest news around the NFL today is Michael Thomas and having, so apparently it just came out a couple of days ago that he had surgery on his ankle ligaments and that he should be sidelined for close to four months and he had surgery in June. So his return date should be close to probably, they didn't give the exact date when in June. So it's kind of tough to assume when, but we're all going to assume most likely we're looking at close to the end of October, beginning of November that's when we're looking at getting Michael Thomas back. So you're looking at him missing about half of the season. And that's kind of really crucial in terms of where his ADP will fall to now, how much you'll wait for him throughout the season and what your lineup kind of looks like as you're drafting to determine if that's something that you're willing to wait on or not. So what do you guys feel about uh, Michael Thomas and like, how do you see where well, you draft him now and how does that kind of mess up your draft strategy?
1: Yeah, we had a, a slight little debate before this episode began. We were thinking uh, we would probably draft him around either the seventh, eighth or ninth round. Um, as Joe mentioned, you're losing um, you're, lo- you're losing a guy for nearly half the season. And the biggest question is, you know how he will return after he comes back from that injury. Will they try to slowly work him in? Um, and he's also dealing with the major quarterback transition from Drew Brees to now either Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. We're still trying to figure out how that situation is going to turn out. Um, so there's definitely a lot of uncertainty. Um, it's always difficult to draft a guy and not be able to play him, especially for eight games. So you're really taking a major hit on your fantasy roster. Um, so he's definitely going to be a weird guy to draft this year, but I'm thinking more so around the eighth or ninth round, just because of the uncertainty around him.
2: Yeah, I think he's, that's a good spot for him to be. Um, obviously when he comes back into the offense, he's their top receiver. They don't have, you know, if you look at their depth chart, there's not a lot of other well-known options. I do think that he's a good trade piece for people. Um, if you play in a league with guys that obviously know the name and know how good he did two years ago. Michael Thomas is a really good trade piece because of his production two years ago and what he did last year when he was healthy. So I think that you could pair him up with someone and shop him for an even better player that you need. Something that I was thinking about though is if you're pretty confident in the starters that you draft and you think that you have a really good chance of making the playoffs, I don't think you're losing anything by drafting him as one of your first or second bench picks just because you know that he's back around the time that your playoffs will be starting. And if you have him for the playoffs and he produces like we all know he can, then that's a viable
0: option, especially if a guy gets hurt or something along those lines. Yeah, so kind of just to talk about a little bit. um, I think one, I think guys that have more of an advantage when they're drafting are leagues that, so we, I feel like a lot of leagues had this last year, and me and Brandon were in a 12-man league where this kind of helped out a lot, well, actually really a lot because we had A.J. Brown those first couple of weeks. If you can, I highly recommend doing a league with IR spots. IR spots, will like that's, that's one of those things where you don't have to feel like Michael Thomas. It is going to affect you on draft day because you might take him over a guy those first eight weeks that are going to account for the points the whole season that he can't account for. But the IR spot is making you feel like when it comes to time you have to dra- drop a guy, you don't have to feel like, okay, well, I just have to drop Michael Thomas because I don't know when he's going to come back exactly. But the IR spot gives you that security of knowing you can drop another guy while keeping Michael Thomas and not being worried about how much it's going to affect your roster. Um. So yeah, like I said, I would take Michael Thomas probably in the seventh. or I'm gonna be honest. If you want him, he's probably gonna have to be the first bench guy or your first guy on the bench, and that may, may not be comfortable for a lot of guys because usually the first or second guy on your bench is somebody that you can you feel that you have a good chance of putting in your lineup any week for a starter that can be interchangeable and kind of make you feel like you still have a lot of confidence with that guy. So it's just about how much you you're willing to play the wait and see game and how much, how healthy he comes back. Obviously the quarterback situation will affect him as well, but um, yeah, I don't think, I don't think who matter. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. I think it's going to be Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas, even with Taysom Hill, he was getting at least eight non-targets a game. So that that's not like the problem. It's just a matter of, how will he come back? It's more so about him, more so than the quarterback situation, I believe. Yep.
2: Yeah. Are you guys comfortable taking him with your first bench spot? Obviously, we'll talk about this more when we get to receivers, but just wondering. I mean, I honestly would be just because I know that the kind of, like you said, the kind of targets he's going to get when he's back, the only worry would be
0: how much does that injury bother him when he is back? I believe what's more important, I believe the answer is for each drafter, my personal opinion. What's more important is do you feel that if you feel like with the lineup you drafted as your starters, you can make it halfway through the season without him, you may end up getting, like when he comes back, a wide receiver one for half of the, se- the the last half of the season, which is really the most important part of the season. That's what make that is really my answer. If you feel like he's gonna make the difference in your lineup, then yes, take him. And you may have to play the struggle game some weeks in a streaming game, like streaming wide receivers that week. But I just think it's kind of hard. If he does come back completely healthy, you're missing out on a wide receiver one. Worst case, a high-end wide receiver two because you didn't want to draft him as your bench spot and you didn't want to take the time to wait for it.
1: My opinion on that is slightly different, um, especially in the 12-man league. I don't think I can see myself actually doing it um, because when you're looking at the situation, he's guaranteed to, to miss eight games, which hurts. It really hurts, man. And I feel like depth is just so important on your fantasy roster that... I would rather have that spot for those eight games for somebody else to help me out. I dare really like the alternative that Tilly gave in his take and actually trading for him. Um, So in that situation, I will look at the team who does have Michael Thomas and hope that they are dealing with some depth issues. And if they're struggling at any point in the season, I'd be trying to, you know, target Michael Thomas as a trade option probably around, you know, week four or five and see if I can, you know, sneak, sneak him out of that team who who did take Michael Thomas and who was trying to see if they could wait around the whole season and, you know, just try to try to get him at a discount during that point of the season.
2: Yeah, the other thing that we didn't mention is it depends on your playoffs are too and how many teams are in your playoffs. Obviously, we don't want your championship being on week what is it 18 this year because that is not good because people are gonna be sitting but if you have a six team if six teams get in your playoffs and you think you can be middle of the pack like I said I think you take them with that bench spot
0: yeah so Brandon kind of answered my question a little bit I was gonna say what week do you feel like you should trade for him then depending on okay let's say the team it's easy to say when the team's doing bad so if the team is doing good what week do you still trade for him yeah I was thinking around like four or five or
1: yeah four or fives um because you don't you never want to wait too late to the point where all the hype comes back like oh Michael Thomas looks great um after his injury you, you don't want to wait that long because then his value will increase my my strategy usually in that situation is try to get him before all the hype begins and like I said it's just like the reason I wouldn't draft him is just because you're not certain that you're not going to deal with any injuries in your starting positions. And that, that first bench spot is just so important to me. Um, I feel like we dealt with a lot of injuries in the league last year. Um, And that, that, that first spot of the bench is just so critical. So I just, you know, I'd rather just go for that trade, get them, get them week four or five.
0: So in 10 rush for a little bit in the 10 man leagues, you're looking around in that same range. The receivers going close to that range that you would draft them in. Let's say round eight. Let's just say round eight. You're looking at Tyler Boyd, Devonte Smith, Jerry Judy, and Debo Samuel.
2: Okay the the <laughs> only name. Go ahead, Tilly. The only name on that list that I'm taking over him is Devonte Smith. We'll talk about when we get to receivers. I think personally, if you're going to take Michael Thomas at any point in the season you take him early because I think that's when his stock is going to be the lowest. The longer you wait, like B would said to trade for him, the more the hype is about him coming back. So I think if you're someone that wants Michael Thomas, unless your team is undefeated and you can give up something for him, I don't think you trade for him. I think you draft him and you stick with him and hope that he comes back healthy. I think the trading
0: for him is the worst option out of the two. I'm higher on Judy than Smith. And again, I, I feel like, when you look at Judy and his stats from last year, well, we all know coming out of college, he was a great route runner. and He was a great route runner in the NFL. It was – and if Drew Locke's the quarterback, then maybe I'll, maybe I'll take back my comment. But I, I just can't – I just feel like Jerry Judy is just as talented, if not more talented, than Devontae Smith, to be honest. His opportunities were not there because he was just not getting – the ball was missed like when it was thrown to him. It wasn't a lot of catch opportunities when he was getting open. I just think Judy has the biggest upside. If you're telling me I can get Jerry Judy in round eight, then – or midway through round eight, early round nine, that's a guy I want to take a chance on because I personally believe, at his peak, you may, you may have a wide receiver too, honestly. And that's just me. You know what I mean? So, I just think Judy is a really talented guy. And if you actually get somebody can give him the ball accurately, he can have a tremendous amount of upside when you're looking at him. And we could be talking about him as a – high-end week-to-week starter going throughout the throughout the year. To our top 10, we have two honorable mentions that we feel like could have been at 10, and we'll just discuss those for a quick minute or two. And our two honorable mentions are Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski, for those who are not familiar, and Tyler Higbee. So what do you guys feel like these guys... Robert Tanya is a number 10 to help you guys out and who we have interchangeable between these three. And... I'll let Tilly go ahead about which one he's more favorable of that maybe should have been ahead of time.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty high on Tanya, and so I don't know about above him. Um, but I do looking at Tyler Higbee's numbers. I mean, he hasn't played 16 games since 2018. Something that stood out to me, though. I mean, I'm going to take Higbee over Gronk for the purpose of I think Gronk is more touchdown dependent, and I also think that there's a lot more weapons in that offense. But looking at Tyler Higbee in 2019, he played 11 games and had 89 targets. That's that's 11 games and 89 targets. I mean, that's if he plays 16, he's getting hundred probably let's be realistic here. But yeah, like I said, he only played in 11 games, in 2019 six in 2020. I think he got an upgrade at the quarterback position, which gives him better draft stock for that reason. But it does look like he is. They're both touchdown dependent. I mean, Last year, he was high in touchdowns, which was which was five for his career. Um, he's averaging 3.5 fantasy points per game for his career, 5.6 last year and 6.1 in 2019. I think it will change a little. Obviously, if you score more touchdowns, it's going to be higher. But I do think he is really – they're both touchdown dependent, and I'm taking Tanyan over both of them. But I do think that they're good guys to have on your bench Yeah, I'm
1: kind of similar to Tilly in that regard. Um, I'm very excited for Higby this upcoming season, um, especially with the addition of Matt Stafford at the quarterback position and the injury to Cam Akers, um, which occurred last week. Uh, I feel as though that the Rams will rely a lot more heavily on the passing game this season. And now with Gerald Everett being out of the offense, Um, I feel as though this will be the breakout season that we've been waiting for Tyler Higby. Um, I do expect his touchdowns to really increase a lot. He only had four last year. Um, Tilly mentioned the amount of yards he was able to obtain just within those 11 games last year. If he stays healthy, I feel as though he'll have a really great year. Um, I'm really excited for Gronk too. I'm really just excited for the whole Buccaneers offense um Gronk scored seven touchdowns last year and a season where I feel as though that was his first season coming back from his retirement he looked a little shaky in the beginning of last year but you could see down the stretch um he really just turned into a touchdown machine especially in the playoffs as well um I expect him to put up a similar amount of touchdowns this upcoming season maybe even a couple more We'll see. Um, I don't think his production, um, as far as how much they'll use him, will change too much. I think that's just his role. He'll be the goal line guy and, you know, a a really good third down target for Tom Brady. Um, You know, they just have that chemistry that goes all the way back to their times in New England. I feel as though, you know, he'll be a good little sleeper tight end to pick up if you choose to wait at the tight end position in the draft.
0: We're going to go ahead and get into our our actual top ten, and those guys are honorable mentions, as i said. So, at number 10, we had Robert Tanya from the Green Bay Packers. He had a really good breakout season. Um, efficiency, efficiency numbers were completely out the roof. They were just ridiculous to me. These guys know how I feel about it. Um, it's not anything against Tanya. I think he is talented in his own perspective. But the guy had 52 catches and 11 touchdowns. That 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 just doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm i completely honest. There are receivers who don't get 11 touchdowns on 120 catches, and they don't get 11 touchdowns. So I just like I said, I mean my math may be wrong, but he's close to averaging every five catches, he's averaging a touchdown. That's just not that's not humanly repeatable for anybody for me. And maybe it is. I hope the guy proves me wrong. I just don't see that being repeatable. And you guys give me your feelings on that or how you feel about tying and where you're willing to draft him.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, me personally, I feel as though tying really just caught everybody off guard last year. Um, He finished top three last year, which is crazy because I feel like he's a guy that most people didn't even know about until last year. I personally didn't. Um, But yeah, like Joe said, we talked about him previously and uh, in a previous episode. And I'm really not trying to take anything away from his incredible season. But like Joe said, the touchdown efficiency last year was Historic. And I honestly don't believe that it's repeatable this season, especially without former MVP Aaron Rodgers under center. Um, I would expect expect him to take a major step back in the touchdown category this year because I don't expect the Packers to operate at the same amount of efficiency and success this upcoming season without Rodgers. Um, he'll definitely be relied upon a lot more because the Packers have so few reliable receiving options outside of Devonte Adams. And I believe that Tanyan last year definitely earned the role of the second most dependable receiver option on the team. Um, I expect a slight uptick in receiving yards and receptions next year, because like I said, they'll be relying on him so much, but I expect a major drop off in touchdowns to more around four or five or six, assuming Rodgers won't be there.
2: Yeah. You know, like you said, last year he finished three. I had him last year, so I was very happy with his production. Um, you know, they do have a hard schedule. They have the fourth hardest schedule. And without Aaron Rodgers, I can only assume they're going to be playing from behind. So to me, I think that looks good on for Tanyan because they're going to be throwing the ball. Like you guys said, though, he's not only not catching seven balls. Um, and 11 touchdowns is obviously high. I mean, that's the same number Kelsey had last year, and that's more than Darren Waller. Um, I think that six, honestly, is a number that he could achieve this year, touchdown-wise. You guys can tell me if you disagree. But I think six is a number that he can reach. Um, like I said, playing from behind is going to help, and all the attention that will be on you know the key guys like Devontae Smith, Aaron Jones out of the backfield when it comes to red zone opportunities – the only thing that we've talked about before that's going to concern me is the quarterback situation. I don't want to continue bringing it up, but you know we don't know what Jordan Love's got at an NFL level. We only know his college production, and so if you draft Robert Tanya, I think you should have someone else to play just in case. I mean, his ADP is 139, which is actually the lowest out of our top 12 right now. But I do think that that is a little low depending on who you are. I mean. Gronk is 102, and I think that's high. So it really just depends on what you feel for Tanyan. Like I said, I think six is a good number of touchdowns, and B. Wood did mention I think more receptions are coming his way.
0: Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and get into our next guy, number nine. We have Noah Fant from the Denver Broncos, who was hurt a couple of games last year. So um he didn't get to quite play The full season, or at least not the full season, healthy in my opinion. I think he's a very talented guy when you look at him. I mean, there are not many guys that are built the same way Noah Fant is. I mean, he ran a four or five at six four, and that's just very hard. A six four around 250, so that's very hard. He's a freak athletic tight end. I think the Broncos want to get him involved as much as possible. They do have Judy, and obviously. Courtland Sutton is coming back we don't know the extent of how well he'll come back from his injury um I think Fant is a really good asset and if you watch him he's really impressive when you watch him run routes and just get open he's a really like good guy he's big he um like I said he he runs really good routes to me he gets open he just I just think he's a good asset for any quarterback to have he's a good reliable target and he's more than that to me he's an actual guy you want to like draw plays for and see what you can do with him and kind of go from there. So, yeah, um, what do you guys feel about Noah Fant? And right now, his ADP, you're looking at 106. So, I mean, it's not like you're spending the worst draft capital on him. I mean, you're drafting him around 10, worst case in a round, and a 12 man, you're drafting him nine, eight, or nine. So, I mean, you kind of, if he's one of the guys you want to wait late for tight end on, you don't have to like, put a whole bunch of draft capital into it and kind of see what happens.
1: Yeah, I, I really feel as though Fant is a sleeper this year just because of his upside. Um, He just wasn't really able to put it all together last year. Uh, what's really great about Fant's game is that he is a very mobile tight end that is able to get you a lot of ground yards after the catch. He finished six overall in receiving yards amongst tight ends last year, which is great. Um, however he was terrible when it came to find the end zone as he only had three touchdowns I feel as though the main issue uh, was the fact that he played on such a low scoring offense last year the Broncos finished twenty-six in passing yards 28th in points per game and Drew Log didn't make a jump that a lot of people expected him to make um, it's just also discouraging because they played the whole year without Sutton last year which you would think would open up more opportunities for Fant last year but Clearly, it didn't really work out. Um, it just really just negatively affected the whole offense as a whole. Um, the hope going into this year is that Locke will make the jump that we expect him to make. And hopefully with the addition of Sutton this year, um, it will open up fan for more touchdown opportunities. He finished 12th amongst tight ends last year in a terrible situation. Um, And with an improved offensive situation and his athletic ability, I feel as though he's more than capable of finishing in the top 10 this season. And we're still waiting to see what the Broncos do with their quarterback situation. There have been rumors that they've been looking into trading for Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson. So we'll see if they do acquire one of those quarterbacks. I definitely think that will drive um fans adp through the roof. Um but I guess that does pose a question that I do have for you guys. If they did grab Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers, where would you rank Fant in that regard?
2: Yeah, so I think it affects him more if they trade for Aaron Rodgers than Deshaun Watson. Um just based off of last year and Aaron Rodgers finding Tanyan in the red zone. Um you hit on it. It's It's not um, a secret. He can't find the box, save his life. I don't know what the reason is. I'm not hating on the guy. I'm just saying he's played two seasons and he only has six touchdowns. I mean, obviously his situation isn't the best. Denver's not as good as they were um, five, 10 years ago when Peyton Manning was their quarterback and they went to the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, I think he's a good pick where you find him. I do think he's a top 10 fantasy tight end this year they play a relatively easy schedule but like i said they're not they weren't amazing last year and i don't see them being really good this year unless they get a new quarterback so i think that they'll be in a lot of close games i do think that his touchdown numbers will finally go up and i mean just three more touchdowns will move him up tremendously like last year it would have moved him up several spots from number 12 um you know, a lot of these guys that we're going to talk about before we get to the obvious ones at the top are really touchdown dependent and they can be interchangeable week to week. That's why a lot of the times when you see leagues, people hold two tight ends. Like last year, I held Tanyan and Gronk um, just to see who the matchup was that upcoming week because of the reason that I didn't have a Kelsey or a Waller or an Andrews. Um, and that's something that you need to think about when you're drafting one of these guys is you need to have another tight end that you could spot start just in case Fant's not doing too well. Yeah, so
0: these guys gave you a pretty good rundown on Noah Fant and kind of – I agree. I'm not going to uh, press too much time on it, but I agree. Like, when you're drafting these guys in a lower tight end range, at least around a seven, eight, nine, or 10 range, at least kind of be a little safe and feel like, you know, you should draft a tight end at the end of your draft just to see, you know, if you have a guy that can produce or not. But next at – Number eight, we'll have uh, Dallas Goddard, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Goddard was um, – he had a good little breakout year in terms of having to share time with Ertz, and people were assuming that this may be Ertz's final year because Goddard was performing pretty well. And obviously, Ertz is still on the trade block, and they're trying to find a suitor for him. So that's one of the free reasons Ertz is not going to be in our top ten. We don't really know what's going on or where he will be um we'll hit on that a little bit whenever he does finally get traded and we'll see where he kind of stands to um in our consensus rankings and everything but i am um, yeah dallas goddard um he had a really good season to me last year in terms of somebody who had to split time i mean he had 500 500 yards last year i mean he ended up having 65 targets and 46 receptions which is not like an incredible number but for a guy who was splitting numbers with Arguably a top five tight end in the league. I mean, that's pretty good to put up. You would like to see the touchdowns go up, as seen as if he only had three. I think if he's, I don't see the Eagles winning like being like a dominant team, and maybe I'm completely wrong. So I do think they will have to pass a little bit more than they would like. So I can see him anywhere between the five, six touchdown range, which would definitely give him a boost in his fantasy fantasy um output and end of season ranking. Um, his ADP is at ninety three. I personally want to take Goddard over Noah Fant. Um, and I think, about to say at that point, I would rather play the weight game and wait 13 picks or another round or so um, to take no offense, But I do like Dallas Goddard and his potential, especially seeing as if he's the lead dog now. And it's basically him Devontae Smith and we'll see what Jalen Raker does in his second year. I think Goddard can take a big step in this offense. We we'll just kind of have to wait and see who the QB is, assuming it will be Hurts. I think he'll still take a big step and be um, an essential part of the Eagles offense.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton to say about Goddard except for I'm looking on the website that I use fantasy data and they do post news. And as of three days ago, it says Dallas Goddard likely back to sharing his position as it seems no team is willing to take on that 8.5 million owed to Zach Ertz. Um, So if he is sharing his position, we would obviously have to adjust his spot in my opinion, just because his volume is going to go down. Um, I do like him, though. I think he's a good tight end if he's the only guy that is starting at tight end for you. and you know, If you have Ertz and him, it's harder to say that. But just last year, week one, he had 101 receiving yards and a touchdown. He had 16.1 fantasy points. That's a really good first week. I'm sure a lot of people were really high on him on the waiver wire. But like the other guys, he comes back the next week. He has 30 yards and zero touchdowns. He has three fantasy points. He's another guy, like I've said, He's interchangeable week to week. Um, I don't want to keep saying it, but with these guys, you're going to hear it. They're interchangeable. Everybody's going to say it. All the other fantasy podcasts are going to say it. These guys are spot starts if you need it. Um, Like I said, I don't have that much to say about him, except for if he's sharing time, I'd stay away.
1: Yeah, I feel like that was definitely a great piece of news that Tilly just brought up. I was under the assumption that Zach Ertz was leaving. However, like Joe mentioned, it is weird because – Throughout his entire career, Dallas Goddard was a backup his entire career behind Zach Ertz, who was a more dominant tight end in the league over the last five or six years. However, even with him being a backup, he was able to put up a top 10 finish his second year in the league in 2019. He has also shown us that whenever it is his time to step up for the offense, uh, whenever Ertz did go down, and Ertz was somebody who dealt with a lot of injuries throughout his career, um, Goddard showed that he was always a great tight end option. Um, If Zach Ertz does get out of that situation, I see Goddard being probably the number two option in the Eagles passing attack and a great target down the middle of the field for young quarterback Jalen Hurts. Um, Over the last six seasons, former starting tight end Zach Ertz finished in the top 10 five times and finished top five in three of those seasons. So I feel as though um, I feel that shows what kind of ceiling Goddard is capable of reaching in the perfect situation for the Eagles this year. Um, they have a very favorable favorable schedule this season. I believe they have the easiest schedule in the league, according to PFF. And I see Goddard being the primary red zone option this year as the Eagles try to develop their young receiver core. Um, lastly, I feel that Goddard is an extremely talented tight end with a ton of upside and is definitely a steal. At the tight end position this year,
0: going ahead into our number seven tight end, we have Logan Thomas of the Washington football team who had a crazy breakout year last year for a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. And um, he was a guy you probably got pretty late last year, and we were to be really happy um, from what you got. Um, out of tight ends, he had the third most targets in the entire league. 110 was really a, a phenomenal number to get from him. My worry is just that this year, when he added Curtis Samuel and Diami Brown from North Carolina. It's got a lot more weapons this year. It's not just Logan Thomas and Terry McLaurin. Even um, – it's not, it may not make a fantasy impact, but in real life, Kevin Harmon is coming back. He said he feels healthy and 100% again for the first time in a long time. So, it's a lot of weapons coming out of the backfield, especially the running back. Ryan Fitzpatrick history, he doesn't like to throw to the running back a lot. So, you may not have to worry about that too much. It's just we'll see how that kind of impacts Logan Thomas and where he kind of sits. As I said, his ADP, you're looking at 99. So, It's not that bad. You really can get him still. As a pretty late guy, you don't have to invest too much. But, again, like we always say, I would recommend drafting a tight end late whether it's the John New Smiths or the Hunter Henrys or somebody of that sort that you want to just kind of take a flyer at to see where you're at with uh, Logan Thomas just in case you're not getting the same production that you were last year. And the same, Really, the target share for me, his target share was really insane. So his target share is really what bothers me. I think it's going to go down a lot. And that matters a lot for tight ends to kind of – sometimes make up for efficiency. If you have a lot of target share, you don't have to be as efficient. So he would have to be a lot more efficient this year to make up for his loss and targets.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for Logan Thomas this season. As Joe mentioned, he finished number six. At tight end last year and the crazy thing about that is the fact that he didn't even start the season as a starting tight end for Washington and he's a guy that most people actually grab as a free agent off their waiver wireless last year so that was really good for him it was really great breakout season he's a very versatile tight end who's very athletic and just seems to always be open in the short passing game um, as Joe mentioned he finished top three in targets and receptions last year At the tight end position Which makes him A very solid option In PPR And half point PPR leagues And if you're the type Of fancy player Who likes to wait And grab the tight end I feel like You always look for the guy Who's going to get The most opportunities Um, As Joe mentioned They did add Curtis Samuel To the offense Who I feel as though Is going to take A lot of the dependency Away from Logan Thomas That they needed From him last year Curtis Samuel used to play With Rama Rivera in Carolina So I would expect them To use Samuel As their second Receiving option Over Thomas um I still believe that It will work out for Thomas next season. I believe that their passing game and offense as a whole will be a lot better next season um, as they made the quarterback switch from Alex Smith to Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is a gunslinger at the quarterback position. Um, Having Samuels there could take a lot of the pressure off of Thomas, as he showed last year with him being the second option in the passing offense. He was still able to get open. So now that they are probably going to use him as the third option on the team, I think, it will make him even more open. Um, They should also have a great running game with Antonio Gibson next year, which will allow Thomas to get open downfield with their play-action game. Um, He was definitely a silent assassin last year. I don't really see him as being a big name, Um, so you may be able to get him at a discount. And Thomas will definitely be a solid tight end who will give you a great amount of volume, I feel, though, and is somebody you should definitely target later in your drafts.
2: Yeah, I mean... I do think that his uh, target share is going to go down. Obviously, there's more options. Um, but something about Ryan Fitzpatrick is he does like to share the ball. I think that that is going to benefit Logan Thomas. I also think that I think like his touchdown numbers are going to stay similar. I think I think he's a good red zone option. You know, it's it's hard to rank these guys, especially when they have new quarterbacks and new situations in their offense. But I do see him still playing it pretty decent part in the Washington football team's offense I mean he's 6'6 you should be able to find him in the end zone a few times I think six is a sweet spot for honestly a lot of tight ends I keep saying it but I think he can get six touchdowns for you again um, I do think that De'Ami Brown and Curtis Samuel are going to take away from him but they haven't proven to have another tight end that's going to be taking away the tight end receptions from Logan Thomas his ADP for me, like Joe said, is still high to be taking one guy and relying on him just because of the additions in the offense and because we don't necessarily know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is gonna do at the quarterback position.
0: So after a good rundown on Logan Thomas, we're gonna go ahead and get into probably the most anticipated tight end, uh, highest rising most best prospect arguably ever at the tight end position, at least just prospect coming in. Now it'll be Kyle Pitts out of Atlanta Falcons. He's taken number four overall in the 2020 NFL draft. Everybody expects him to have a big season, especially after they traded away Julio. That opened up a lot more targets for obviously the other receivers as well, the Russell Gages of the world. And yeah, Kyle Pitts is just a freak, man. I don't think there's much you need me to say about it. but for those who don't know about him, Looking at a guy who's about 6'6, 250, runs a 4-4. Is he's a freak of nature, man. There's really not anybody like him, even in the NFL today at tight end. Um, maybe some receivers don't even do that, honestly. I don't think I've got seen a guy at 6'6 in a long time run a 4-4 and it'd be 250. Yeah, I think we all have our own projections. We can't really give you guys what he'll be like an NFL level because we've never seen him play an NFL game. So we're all kind of playing the wait-and-see approach and see what we can get out of Kyle Pitts. His ADP for me. I'm not going to say it's a little too rich. I just think, like, even for a guy that is that talented, when you've never seen him play a single NFL game, I feel like he's rising and rising more. And I think as drafts mainly begin to happen in the beginning, and middle of August, his ADP is going to rise even more, especially after training camp and a preseason game or two. If he does make those splash plays you're expecting to make or you hear good things, he's just going to rise even more. So it's getting to a point where it's a little rich for my blood, where I would rather take, to me personally, a receiver that I feel like has more upside, so it's just kind of what you prefer for your lineup and how your lineup is kind of set at that point when Kyle Pitts is on the board. And when you feel like either he's a value to you in your opinion, or if he's something that you actually need at that point, and you want to go ahead and fill the tight end position out with a guy that has a chance to be top five, six tight end in the fantasy community.
2: Yeah. I mean, I love Kyle Pitts. I'm a huge college football guy. Let me just, let me tell you guys his stats from last year, which was his junior season. He played in eight games. He had 770 receiving yards and 12 touchdowns. That is ridiculous. I mean, this dude is a dog. He is going to catch the ball that's thrown his way. I think he is going to be an animal in the open field. I really think, I I mean, I could see him finishing tight end too, to be completely honest with you. Um, If he gets the touchdowns that he needs, I think the yards are going to be there. That's no question for me. We know how Matt Ryan likes to throw the ball. Losing Julio is huge um so obviously russell gage is going to have a bigger role to play at wide receiver but they don't draft kyle pitt's number four not to use him a lot in the offense i think he's a big red zone target um the only problem that i see potentially is the hayden Hurst steal a touchdown here and there Um, hayden Hurst is still a good tight end they didn't trade for him when they did because they weren't going to use him i think he's a viable option in the red zone too but I do think that Kyle Pitts is going to get a lot of receiving yards and especially in PPR and half point, he's a guy that you should be targeting. I'm kind of different than Joe in the fact that I think that if you're picking your flex or you're picking Kyle Pitts to be your tight end, I think you're taking Kyle Pitts. Um, You know, what's there. I know. I mean, like I said, they picked him number four. I know that he's going to get used in the offense and there are a lot of guys that you play in your flex that don't get used in the offense that weren't drafted in the top 10 the year before and that's my biggest thing with him is he's draft number four he's 6'6 and runs that fast of a 40. I mean he's a matchup nightmare and he plays the Panthers twice. I mean do I need to say any more?
1: Yeah similar to what Joe just said um, Pitts is a guy who the whole world is excited to see this year because he's one of the most incredible tight end prospects the league has ever seen. Um, I'm even more excited about him now since Julio Jones has left the equation, which opens up a lot of targets in the receiving game for Pitts, who I feel will be used all over the field this season. Um, as Tilly mentioned, he's also playing with a quarterback in Matt Ryan, who is known for his impressive passing volume on a year-to-year basis. Last year, Matt Ryan finished fourth overall in passing yards, where he threw for 4,581 passing yards. I would expect them to throw with similar passing volume this upcoming season as they don't have a very strong defense and they didn't invest heavily into a long term running back besides Mike Davis this offseason. Um, I expect Calvin really to be their primary pass catcher, but all 4000 yards can't go to Calvin really alone. And I expect their fourth overall draft pick and Pitts to be their number two option in the offense. I expect him to receive a lot of volume compared to a lot of other tight ends in the league. And with his insane athleticism, I expect him to be an incredible yards after catch player next season as well, which will lead him to finishing with a good amount of receiving yards at the tight end position as well. Um, I would also expect him to be one of their primary red zone offs year um, because he's honestly just a mismatch. No matter if it's a linebacker on him or a corner, he's going to be the guy in front of him. And, of course, it's impossible to predict his production because this is his rookie year. But when you look at his situation, he has a ton of upside to be a great tight end option this year.
0: Our number five tight end, we have TJ Hawkinson. who's a lot of people expect to have a lot of uptick this year. So, um, Tilly, where are you at on Hawkinson? And uh, kind of where do you feel that he's at? Because ADP is – Not too much further than Pitts, but they're kind of really similar in where you're kind of getting those in in, uh, your average drafts.
2: Yeah, I'm probably the lowest on Hawkinson in here. They know this. I think he's a good tight end in a really bad situation. I mean, let's just be honest. The Lions are horrible. They downgraded the quarterback position. Who knows what's going on in the running back room? There's talk that DeAndre Swift is the guy, and then, you know, Jamal Williams comes in. there's just so much going on Todd Gurley's talking about going there please no I mean there's just so much going on in Detroit it's just it's hard for me to want to draft him I mean obviously he's going to have targets they're going to be losing they've got the sixth hardest schedule the ball is going to get thrown to him a lot the question is who else they have I mean they literally lost both their best wide receivers in the offseason and so I guess that makes him, unless you guys think otherwise, he's the number one option in the offense um, besides DeAndre Swift. You can cover him. I think the teams are going to be more so going to cover him and leave one of the receivers open, then leave Hawkinson open. Just because Hawkinson has shown that he's a good tight end, it's just his situation is so bad. I think his ADP is too high. I would, if you're thinking about taking Hawkinson and, and Pitts is still there, I would... Personal opinion, I would take Pitts. That's probably just me, but I, I think he's 80 is too high. I mean, he finished fourth last year, and he had 101 targets and 67 receptions and 723 yards. I do think the targets might – they probably will still be there because they don't have anyone else, but it's going to be hard for him to get a lot of yards because teams know that he's a threat.
1: Yeah, I have a similar opinion as Tilly. You know, Hawkinson is an incredible talent. Um who have finally had his breakout season last year. Um, But yeah, it's just a terrible situation in Detroit. This is a guy who was drafted eighth overall in 2019. Um, And he finished number four overall last year at tight end. So this was the type of production that we do expect from Hawkinson. He is entering a very different situation this year as the whole Detroit Lions offense has basically left around him. Um, They got rid of both their starting wide receivers, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, which in a way is encouraging because the offense will rely on Hawkinson as the number one receiving option in the offense. However, they did lose their franchise quarterback, Matt Stafford, and replaced him with former Rams quarterback, Jared Goff, who I don't see as being better than Matt Stafford by any means. Um, I'm a bit nervous for Detroit's offense this year, and I believe they will be one of the worst offenses in the league next season. However, as I mentioned last year, unless you're able to get a tight end like Kelsey or Kittle, you're looking for tight ends who are going to get you the most targets and receptions because those are really hard to come by at a tight end position. Um, I don't question Hawkinson's talent whatsoever, as I think he proved to us last year that he is an extremely talented tight end. I expect an increase in targets an increase in receptions and yards this season with my only concern being with his touchdowns because I just don't see Detroit scoring nearly as much as they did the year before. But with the volume he should receive, I expect him to repeat another top-five finish.
2: Yeah, just one more thing. Their receiving core starters on the depth chart right now, Tyrell Williams, Rashad okay, oh and Quintes. Quintez, I don't want to butcher his name. All right, it's don't C- even say Cep- it. Cephas.
1: Oh, God. <laughs>
2: I'm just Basically saying.
1: all those receivers would be probably third or fourth string receivers on any other NFL team in the league.
0: The sleeper guy in that room would definitely be um Amon Ross a. Brown, which a lot of people have some expectation for to kind of see where he is. Um it's not much, but he was a number one ranked wide receiver in high school coming out to USC didn't live up as much. And and I, for a guy who follows a lot of high school football, college football, he was one of the better high school receivers I've seen in quite a while. So I expected a lot from him at USC. He had flashes, but it wasn't exactly what you thought you were going to get. You, were, you thought you were going to get a All-American, a guy that will perform a little more. But I think he's a good sleeper late in drafts if you have deeper leagues. So now we're going to go ahead and get to our number four tight end. And that will be Mark Andrews of the Baltimore Ravens. My boy. Hopefully he... uh has it continued to keep performing well? Last year, you had a couple inconsistency problems. A little The year before, you were a little more happy consistency wise in terms of points per game and what you were getting from that position from Mark Andrews. And you felt a little more confident. So, yeah, I just feel as if he can bounce back this year. And some people would say, well, the Ravens added more receiving options. So that would kind of, you know, lessen Mark Andrews production. But I feel as if that opens up things more for him. Just from my perspective and how I look at things, now he won't be the only guy. People feel like, okay, would well, you have to guard Mark Andrews and occasionally make sure Hollywood Brown doesn't go deep? He actually has. A, they actually have a little more worry this year. And work from the Ravens will go understand a little more this year. So, obviously, hopefully, that'll give us more in the play action game across the middle, which Mark right, Andrews thrives across the middle. And yeah, so hopefully, he can get back to where he was in terms of consistency the year before and just give you what you're respecting week to week to make your lineup feel more secure. You don't have to look at what you have at tight end.
2: Yeah, I'm going to be honest. We're getting to the guys where it's like the stats don't lie. I mean, these guys compared to the guys we mentioned earlier, it's night and day of where you're going to take them and whether they're going to be the option that you can trust in the offense. I like Mark Andrews a lot. I mean, I'm a Steelers fan. I wish the Steelers had him at tight end. I mean, nothing against Ebron or the guy we drafted out of Penn State this year. But, I mean, it's just – he's good. He's a good tight end. He's going to be, in my opinion, the number one pass catcher in their offense. And I think that having him as your tight end is a good choice. I mean, his ADP is 52. I don't think that's too high by any means. They play a hard schedule this year, so they're going to be playing from behind. And he has a phenomenal quarterback in Lamar Jackson who knows that Mark Andrews is, honestly – Kind of his safety blanket across the middle. And I think that Mark Andrews is going to have another really good fantasy football season.
1: Yeah, definitely. Mark Andrews is somebody who I really love when it comes to his talent. Um, I personally believe he has the talent to finish within the top three every year. But he plays on a team who passes the least and rushes the most in the league. So I feel like that really caps his upside. Um, In his first year as a starter in 2019, he finished number two and finished number five last season in a year where I don't even believe the Ravens offense was at their best. He has an incredible ability of finding the end zone. He scored 10 touchdowns in 2019, seven last year, which is incredible when you factor in how frequently the Ravens run the ball. Um, The Ravens also added a lot of talent at the wide receiver position this year as we mentioned in our previous episode, which I feel will take a lot of pressure off of Andrews. When I look at last year, the reason that I feel as though he took a step back is because he was honestly getting smothered every time he went downfield for a route because he was the only dependable receiving option. Um, I expect the Ravens to be a much better offense this season. And as Joe mentioned, throughout the offseason they said that they want to establish a true pass game this year. So that is very encouraging news for Andrews. Um, I expect Andrews to have a, Season similar to what he gave us in 2019 with his floor being what he gave us last year. So I don't think that you can go wrong with drafting Mark Andrews this season.
0: So we're going to go ahead and get into our top three. We don't have like a lot of information to give you guys. We do have a lot of information. We don't have a lot of things to really say about these guys. the proof is in the pudding, really. So at number three, we have George Kittle of the 49ers, who was hurt majority of the year last year. Yeah, so I'll let these two guys kind of give you their input on in those.
2: Yeah, I mean, I like George Kittle a lot. With the emergence of Ayuk, I think that he's going to become more open this year because you can't leave Ayuk open or Debo Samuel if he's healthy. I mean, if you've watched both of those guys play, they're explosive and they can get into space and make you miss. Um, so I think teams will be more satisfied with giving up an underneath route to George Kittle than they would be giving up the deep ball to Ayuk. He was a almost a 1,400-yard receiver two years ago. Or, yeah, two years ago. He was almost a 1,400-yard tight end. I mean – That's that's insane. That's like that's ridiculous. Just thinking about that. I mean, on 88 receptions, he was 1377 yards. I mean, that's 15.6 yards a reception. I'm not saying he can do that again. But I do think he's going to have an 1000 yard season again at the tight end position. Um, I do think that him and our next guy, depending on who you like more, it's honestly a preference thing. Both of them are really good. But I like Kittle's upside. But that's just me
1: yeah i do agree with tilly in the regard that you know a lot of people believe that iuk will take a lot of work away from kittle i believe that their head coach kyle shanahan who is an offensive mastermind will be creative to make sure that both players are in the best position to be successful um as tilly mentioned in Kittle's last two seasons he finished with 1400 yards and a little over a thousand yards in 2019, and he's doing that with under 90 receptions in both seasons, which is actually insane. Um, Kill has shown us that he doesn't need 100 receptions to finish top three. I would expect a similar amount of usage this upcoming season. Um, I also believe that the 49ers will be one of the more dominant teams in the league next year and a potent offense that will run through their star tight end, George Kittle. So as long as he is 100% and stays healthy throughout the entire season, I think you have a your top three option and George Kittle with the upside of finishing number one in the perfect situation.
0: So we're going to go ahead and get into our number two tight end and that would be Darren Waller of the Las Vegas Raiders now finally moving into their new stadium. Only as much needs to be said if you watch football at all he's a physical freak and uh yeah he's just a mismatch nightmare for uh, plenty of defenses no matter who's guarding him.
2: Yeah I mean if you look at the Raiders situation I don't have a ton to say. I mean Henry Ruggs is a good player but Darren Waller is the number one op- option in the offense. Let's be real. Him and Josh Jacobs are their go-to guys. He's going to get receptions again. He's going to get yards. He's going to get touchdowns. There's no other way to say it. His ADP is currently sitting at 29. I think it's a good pick for you at if you have 30 and he's still there, to be honest. But the guy we're going to talk about next, deservingly so, is the number one tight end. I don't think that Waller can be tight end one. In my opinion, I think that Titan One is going to stay the same as it has for the past three years. Him and Kittle will be fighting for that 2 3, in my opinion. Like I said, I don't have much to say. I think he's going to be a red zone target. Thing is going to eat up some touchdowns this year
1: yeah i really love waller he's a guy who can really just line up anywhere on the field and no matter who's in front of him he's always going to get open and the thing is even if he's not open he has that athleticism to literally just jump over defenders every single time um he's 6'6 255 and ran a 4'4. a lot of people don't know that he's almost like a similar athlete as kyle pitts who we were really raving about and he's actually a bit bigger which makes him even more scary so last year he led all tight ends and targets and receptions this offseason they got rid of Nelson Aguilar as Tilly mentioned who had 900 yards and eight touchdowns which I feel will make the Raiders have to rely on Waller even more this season I expect Waller to lead tight ends and receptions and targets again this is where I project even more this season um as he was targeted almost 150 times last year I expect him to be utilized as a wide receiver one almost which is incredible for your starting tight end on your fantasy team um i expect the raiders to be slightly worse on offense next season so that could affect waller's touchdown upside because i think teams will definitely play him a lot tougher on defense this season but with the volume that i expect him to receive i believe that he will be able to overcome those obstacles and it's still going to be a top three tight end option with the upside of finishing Number one, if everything goes as planned.
0: Yeah, so to our final tight end of this episode in our consensus rankings, which is everywhere in America, it will be Mr. Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, like you said, I, don't, I really don't have much to say on this one. Draft Kelsey everywhere, however you want to look at it. Draft him everywhere you can. I don't care what the format is. Draft Kelsey everywhere. He outscored the next closest tight end by 35 points. That's actually ridiculous any position to outscore. If you're number one to score the next closest guy, about 35. He's averaged the most fantasy points per game last year, but I of three points per game, which is a huge difference in what you can make in some weeks. So, yeah, um, I'll kind of let these guys finish us off on what they believe.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's Travis Kelsey. Does anything else need to be said? I mean, if you watch that guy play football, get out of his way because – He's catching the ball, and he's finding the box. I mean, he's his ADP right now is nine. My opinion, until we figure out the Devontae Adams situation, I think that Adams goes off the board, Hill goes off the board, Diggs goes off the board, and then you're taking Kelsey above any receiver that's on the board. I mean, he's the fourth best pass catcher um, that you can draft. I mean, in some leagues, you might even take him over some of the guys I mentioned, but... He's an animal. He's going to have a great season again. I mean, he finishes the number one tight end four of the last five seasons, and he was second the season. He didn't finish first five 1,000-yard seasons. The last five years, he's given 13.9, 9.8, 12, and 10 points per game. I mean, there's really nothing else to be said about him for me except for if you have the chance, draft him, especially in a snake if you're in a 10-man league and he's there at nine. You draft him at nine and someone else two picks later – three picks later i mean i think it's a solid pick yeah
1: these guys basically said it all kelsey is the true definition of a sure thing and he has shown that from year to year and the thing is he seems to get better every single year with last year being his best season i mean 1400 yards 11 touchdowns you just can't beat that if you look at his numbers he would have finished as a top five receiver in fantasy last year at the tight end position. Uh, Me and Joe manage a 12-man fantasy football team together in a league, and we were lucky enough to acquire him last year. And I believe we had one of the weaker teams in the league last year, but when you have that big of a mismatch at the tight end position on a weekly basis, most of the time he ends up making up for whatever troubles you're dealing with at other skill positions. And he led us to our second championship in that league. And so the Chiefs, parted ways with top five draft pick Sammy Watkins is off season, which I feel as though will increase Kelsey's volume just a little bit more this upcoming season so I would expect a similar amount of volume this upcoming season but you really just can't go wrong with Kelsey on your team um, by any means he is expensive so depending on your draft strategy if you do want Kelsey on your team you're going to have to grab him at the end of the first round or if you're lucky maybe the beginning of the second round but I feel as though that's well worth the pick and if you can grab Kelsey
0: yeah quick question no details on it just give me one answer don't need any explanation why. Who's your dark horse to finish as a top 10 tight end?
2: The guru will speak right here. Oh, God. Adam Troutman from the New Orleans Saints.
0: Brandon.
1: Jared Cook from the Chargers.
0: And I'm going to take my bets on Gerald Everett from the Seattle Seahawks. Um, Once again, thank you guys. If you have stayed this long, thank you again for listening as always. We appreciate the support. Um, We really appreciate if you guys could leave us a five-star review on Apple. Um, DM us on uh, Twitter or Instagram. And our ads on Twitter, or Instagram are at podcast EGS. And again, that is at podcast EGS. And we'll think any critiques, anything you guys want to hear from us, any uh, segments or something you would like to see from us. Um. Uh, yeah, so uh, we'll see you guys next time and uh, look forward to doing this again.